Yeah, I remember, you know, way back when my old hairdresser back in Brunswick, Georgia, Mary Strickletter, she said men need three things. They need a good job. They need to be put on a pedestal. They need respect and they need sex. That's probably worth two points. You know, in, in my seminars, I asked what do men want and people say sex. I said, no, what is it they really want? More sex. Yeah. But for a man, sex is a form of respect. Because if he feels respected, he's going to get sex. If he doesn't feel respected, he's not going to get sex. So, you know, think of it that way. It's not the physical act. It's just that feeling of being respected. What is more important than love? It's a good question, right? Are we acting based on what's most important in our lives? Do our environment and our relationships reflect that priority? If your answer is, nothing is more important than love. Well, today's episode is exactly for you. I'm bringing on the love doctor. Anil Gupta is internationally known as the love doctor, and he's known to be the last relationship mentor you ever need to meet. So I'm so excited to be talking to him today. Little personal bias here for sure, but hey, it's my podcast. I get to choose. Well, he has helped singles, couples, and families, and he talked about the mother-daughter relationship as well. And especially as we're going through menopause, we've got a teenager, you want love to be in the air. And sometimes it just doesn't feel that way. There's a explosion of hormones that may be happening. He has been a best-selling author. He is a TEDx speaker. I heard him speak a couple weeks ago in Orlando, Florida, and he just made my day. He really did. I left there feeling full of oxytocin. So uh, join me today in welcoming Anil Gupta, the love doctor, and check out this man's story too. Welcome, Anil, to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. Thank you for inviting me. I'm uh, excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. I heard you speak in Orlando at Fab Mancini's Fab Life event, and I just left there feeling so good and took home from your talk, especially the saying, how you became a billionaire overnight. And so I'd love for you to share a little bit about your background and your story. Sure. So I was an optometrist in the UK for 20 years. Then we moved to the uh, USA in 2002. And in 2008 was the, you know, the Great Recession where everything went down. And honestly, I was in a terrible state. I'd lost everything in the stock market, real estate, and I was almost suicidal. And I, I realized then that life wasn't about money. It was about something else. And that's where I decided to change the currency that I used. Instead of using the US dollar as my currency, I started using the currency of love making a difference, friendship, kindness, giving, being authentic, sincerity, authenticity, integrous, caring, loving, playful, fun. And if you start using that as a currency, everything changes. And I became a billionaire working on being a trillionaire. Then I started speaking on stages all over the world, Fox News, Sky TV, Harvard, TEDx. And one thing that changed my life, and this will apply to all of you, one sentence changed my life. Be so amazing that you cannot be ignored. And if you're ignored, it doesn't matter because you'll be showing up the best version of you. So ladies and gentlemen, just be so amazing. I love that. I love that. Well, what is more important than love? More love. (laughs) There's nothing more important because love is everything. You know, do you love what you do? Do you love your work? Do you love your car? Do you love yourself? You know, look at these things. When was the last time you thanked them? What have they done for you? 
everything. What if you fell in love with your hands? Would you treat them differently? What if you fell in love with your body, with your health? Would you treat them differently? Of course you would. You know, maybe you look after your car more than you do your wife. Maybe you look after your house or your business more than you do your the people that you love. Love is everything. That sounds pretty easy to say. How do you accomplish that? Well, it's a muscle. It's a muscle. The more you practice it, the easier it gets. So, you know, here's an exercise. What could you do today that will bring more love to someone in your life? It could be a little thank you. Thank you for being in my life. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for being so kind. Thank you for being there for me when I needed you the most. That is being loving. You know, calling up a friend, hey, buddy, I just want to say, I'm so happy that you're in my life. Thank you for your friendship. That is being loving. And it's a muscle. As you develop this, it just gets easier and easier. So what does a loving relationship look like? It's very simple. And we were like this when we dated. If you make your partner your number one priority and they make you their number one priority, that's what a loving relationship looks and feels like. But what happens is that's how you start off when you first date. And as you get deeper into the relationship and you get married, you say to yourself, well, I don't have to do that anymore. So you start doing less for the other partner. They start doing less for you. Then it becomes transactional. Instead of 100-100, it eventually becomes 50-50 or 40-60. That's when the problem arises. So if you make your partner your number one priority, they will always feel loved and respected and they'll never leave you. It's really simple, but it's not necessarily easy. I hear you. I hear you. In working with couples that are distressed, the relationships are broken. What is one of the first things you do to help them prioritize each other? The coaching that I do, it starts with the self. And the the biggest thing that they can do is to forgive themselves, forgive others, and let go of past traumas, past incidents, past situations that if they bring up can cause an issue. And in the moment you don't forgive, you cannot love that other person. So forgiveness is a big part. Letting go, communication, not what you say, it's how you say it. The tone, the languaging, all contributes towards having an amazing relationship. Is there an exercise you give for forgiveness? There is. I mean, it's a detailed exercise. And normally we can do that in one session. What it involves is taking a deep forensic examination of everything that's happened what has actually happened because as human beings we're meaning making machines something happens we make it mean something else and breaking that down so it's a process and it's just like you you know as a doctor you take all the signs symptoms you take a history then you make a diagnosis and it's the same with forgiveness we have to look at everything and there may be things that you sort of put at the back of your mind that need to be let go of and that gives you the freedom and then you'll see a huge weight come off your shoulders You'll have more energy, more vitality. You'll be happier, more generous, more playful. It's all connected. It's a huge part of living a richer, fuller, happier life. Quality of your life is dependent upon the depth and authenticity of the forgiveness you extend to yourself and to others. It's everything. The authenticity and the level of forgiveness that we give to ourselves and others. Yeah, it's everything because it's not about the other person winning. It's about you gaining the freedom to be yourself. It's mm. huge. Yeah. And, you know, with Valentine's, at the time of publishing this, Valentine's Days would have just passed. What does Valentine's Day mean to you? 
First of all, do you have Valentine's Day in the UK? Well, I'm in the US, so we have Valentine's Day everywhere, but it means nothing to me. And I'll tell you why. What if you made every day your Valentine's Day? Would you treat your partner differently? Of course you would. Why wait? Why not do something that you would normally do on Valentine's Day a week before, a month before, once a month, once a week? So why wait for that day? It doesn't make any difference. It just doesn't make sense. Why would you go and do something special when the other person doesn't know whether you're doing it because you want to do it or because you have to do it? But if you did it beforehand, they know that's something you made a commitment to and you're doing it for them. It's all the difference. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. Well, that's good to hear. Let me ask you. What do I think about Valentine's Day? Well, I'm single right now, not dating. So for me, it's like... It's sad. And I don't understand, ladies and gentlemen, why this beautiful soul is single. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And that's a good question. And we had chatted and I was like, well, I'm busy. My daughter, Rodeo, pretty soon she'll get her driver's license. I cannot wait. I'm making her study. (laughs) Make sure she passes that test. She's been driving for a couple of years, to be honest. So just making sure she passes it. I feel like that's a liberation. And then that lets up a whole nother level of worries. You know, as your teenager starts driving your car, there's a fear associated with those phone calls that you get. And so I'm hoping just praying. You guys help me pray for a cloud of protection around my daughter and all our children. There's no hope here. Hoping things will be. So can I coach you? Can I guide you here? Please. Okay. You have to set rules for her. Okay. That she does not get in a car or she doesn't let more than one teenager get in the car with her. The more teenagers you have in the car with her, the more likelihood of an accident. Yes. And I would put a camera in the car to monitor her and have very strict rules and also make sure that she has the skill set to drive. Because here, I don't know what it's like where you are in Florida, you don't even have to get on the road to get a license. You can have the driving test in a car park here. It's ridiculous. At the age of 16, you get a full license and you've never been on a motorway, you've never been on a road. You don't know the courtesy. You don't know how to overtake. It's ludicrous. So we have to do everything that we can to teach our kids. And the greatest gift you can give your kids is this. Give them the ability to handle life by throwing adversity at them that they can reasonably handle. A lot of parents just make life so easy for their kids, and it doesn't help them. It brings up enabled and entitled kids. That's not what we want. No, not at all. And she grew up on her dad's Buffalo Ranch. So she was riding tractors and stuff when she was a kid. And she's been driving the highways for a while, too. So definitely drive, try to get her drive me everywhere over the last year. And this is she'll be 16 and driving. So it's important because she's going to be driving to the ranch and Dallas traffic is terrible. It's scary. But she is my fourth and youngest, and I'm considering it liberation. And yet, you know, power of a praying mom, so for sure. So I think, you know, back to your question, being at this capacity in my life, so CEO of a company, president of my company and founder, and running my business, seeing my patients in clinic and taking care of my team and my family and myself, like you said, self-love starts with yourself. So really, you know, prioritizing that downtime, which is 
It had been pretty non-existent. Mental downtime is really non-existent, but working on that too. And I have dated over the past, you know, 12, 13 years of my singlehood. But yeah, currently not. Well, can I tell you why? Dating does not work. And I'll tell you why. This is why. Are you ready? I know you're ready. People um, say all years. yes relationship until it becomes a no. And it has to be the other way around. That's why there's a 92 to 95% failure rate when you say yes to a relationship until it becomes a no. It has to be no until it's a yes. So, for example, if you were buying a house, you don't look at it and you buy it. No. You collect information. You collect data. You do your due diligence on that house. And it's the same thing. Before you say yes to a relationship, Find out more about them. Do your due diligence. Are they a narcissist? Are they an alcoholic? Are they on medications? Are they depressed? Have they let go of the past relationship? Is there any drama in the relationship, in the past relationships that they're bringing to your relationship? You need to know all of this stuff. And But people don't find out. They just assume that everything will work out and it's love. Don't do that. You have to have a process. Just like you do in business. You, you had a process to become a doctor. You had a system. And, you know, when a patient comes in, you have a system. But people don't do that. They think love will just happen. It doesn't. You have to create your own love by filtering people out. When you filter them out, then when someone is compatible with you, you have an opportunity to say yes. And I taught this to my daughter. And the first boyfriend she brought home, she married. And she had a system. And thank goodness she followed the system. And it just was painless. She has zero drama. She has zero baggage. And how beautiful is that? It affects me. That's beautiful. Yeah. And if this is one of the gifts you can give your kids, it's immense because you don't want them to go through what you went through. And there's a system. There's a process. Once you know it, it's called the smart select system. Your life will be so much easier. And it's not about time. It's about allocation of the right time to the right person. And if you do that, you will create even more time because you're not thinking about anything else. You're just doing it. I know. And as you say that, Anil, I'm like, oh my gosh, dating again. I mean, that just feels burdensome to me. (laughs) Give me a couple more steps in your system. I get it. It's a no until it's a yes. I, I love that. And what happens when people date? You have two actors on stage. They're each trying to impress each other. The man has a different agenda. The woman has a different agenda. And you can't get to know the person because they're trying to be the best version of themselves. They have no choice. But there's a process that you can go through without having to go through that. I call it the dating facade. You don't need to do that because it's a time waste. So how do I bypass that? Me, it's a beautiful process. You know, it it starts with discovery. There's really seven steps. There's discovery. There's awareness. There's transformation. There's integration. There's mastery. Then there's impact. And then there's celebration. But once you have the seven steps, life gets just easier. It's so much better and more clearer for you that you're able to have a system and that, and you have four kids, you can pass on that system to your four kids and they can get the benefit and their children get the benefit and their children's children get the benefit. They become better parents. They become better human beings and they have almost zero drama and trauma and baggage. 
Yeah, I definitely want that for all of us. And tell me the seven key areas again. Okay, it starts with a discovery, which is intertwined with awareness. The next step is transformation, where you realize what you've been doing past. And, you know, once we look at the full audit of your life, there's a pattern. There's someone recently, she had a pattern of picking a certain type of man. And I said, look, this is your pattern. This is what we need to do. And she said, I never realized. But she was going on autopilot. Mm-hmm. And so after transformation, there's the we have to integrate it into the body, into the whole ecosystem that you live in. Then you have to master it. And then once you master it, you, you make an even bigger impact. And then the best thing of all, you get to celebrate a brand new life filled with love. And beautiful thing happens, your capacity to love and be loved increases so that you get more joy and you pass on more joy. Everyone benefits. It's a beautiful process. It sounds great. When you talk about mastery, can you give an example of someone you've worked with that is in the mastery stage or what does that look like? So it's being consciously competent and unconsciously competent. For example, you know, if you drive to work every day, You don't really notice everything, but you're competent that you can do it, okay? So if you're masterful, you use all the distinctions that I've given them, maybe 20 or 30 or 40 distinctions, and they're able to apply them in situations. For example, if they get upset, you know, everyone gets upset, they they can break down the upset, and within 30 seconds, they can let go of the upset. So that's being masterful. If you're not masterful, it may take a day or two days to let go of the upset. But then as we work on the person, it gets shorter and shorter. And then we teach them about reaction and response or what things mean, expectations, filters. All of these are tools in your toolbox that you can use in your personal life, your business life, your family life. Our love doctor toolbox. I love it. I like that. I'm going to patent that. (laughs) The more tools you have, the better the chance of success. Yeah, no, that makes sense, especially when you're in the midst of something at, you know, the beginnings of a relationship get real heady and can get carried away and not address the upset or push down the upset or ignore the red flags. You know, I, I was talking to someone today and, you know, we were dissecting something about his previous relationship and it was a, a terrible experience for him because he realized that he, he was just blind. He was just focused on one thing, which attracted him so strongly, he forgot about all the other stuff. And it was very painful for him. But now he realizes what he was doing, and it will never happen again. This will give him an opportunity to be in a great relationship for the first time in his life. There's an old Emery saying, the eyes don't see what the mind don't know, right? And that's a really good one, especially in this, like we don't see it, you know, until we're aware, then we see it everywhere. We see the patterns of the past dating that keep repeating itself, like different face on the same issues. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like bigger heart. Oh, my God. But then I tell them, look, in a race, the most important part, it's not the start, it's the finish. You've got another 50 years of relationship ahead of you. Let's make the last 50 years of your life the most amazing. And that's what we need to focus on. Forget about the past, 
Let's move forward. I had a client in my office recently and she had was working on, you know, hormones, weight loss, all this stuff and libido, sex drive, sex in the relationship was minimal to none and it was important to her. And I asked her a simple question. It was just, have you talked to your husband about this? And she says, you know, it's just kind of that unspoken habit in our lives at this point. And so she followed up recently and she said, and I said, well, how is the sex? And she goes, oh my gosh, we're having sex again. And he realizes it's important. And, you know, we just, I said, what was the issue? Was it the hormones? Was it, you know, repairing, you know, vaginal dryness, repairing that? And she said it was communicating. It was the communication. So in that relationship, when it's stagnant, Anil, what is something that will help reignite that relationship? Okay, so let's role play, okay? No, no, it's very easy, very <laughs> easy. So I would say, honey, what could I do? And this is a man to a woman. What could I do to make you feel more loved? So what would you say? Oh, I would say bring me coffee in the morning. Great. What else could I do to make you feel more loved? I would love it for you to take care of handling the house repairs. Great. I would love to do that for you. What else could I do to make you feel more loved? I would love you to spontaneously plan some spontaneous adventures or outings. Ooh, I like that. Let's do that. What else could I do? Ooh, I would love it if you complimented me more authentically. You know, Anna, you're one of the most beautiful women I've ever met. Thank you for being in my life. You truly are an authentic living authentic giving soul and I and I see the way you look after your patients the way you look after your kids and I'm sorry for not acknowledging you but truly you're an amazing soul thank you for being in my life I feel more love already Anil thank you so honey what I'm hearing is that you would like me to be more responsible around the house bring you coffee be more adventurous and compliment you more is there anything else I could do to make you feel more loved I would say that even, you know, special occurrences of like sensual play to explore more sensual play. And let's see where that gets us. You know, I would love some guidance on that. And I'm all in, so to speak. Awesome. End of role play. End of role play. Good. Because I was getting (laughs) X-rated in a minute. (laughs) But again, it's like the patient who communicated with the husband. You have to ask, you know, when I was suicidal. I said, I'd lost everything. And my wife said, I don't care about the money. I never asked her. She said, honey, I never asked you for money. That's what I thought she wanted. Now, if I know you want coffee in the mornings, you want to be adventurous, you want to be playful, you want things fixed around the house, you want compliments. And I deliver that to you. Imagine how you would feel. And then if, if as a male, I want to be asked, What can I do to make you feel more respected? See, men want respect. Women want love. So as a man, I would say I want to be acknowledged. I want to be. Okay, uh, wait, let's role play, Anil. Anil, how can I help you feel more respected? Is that the question? Yeah, if you would compliment me on any of my achievements. Okay, I hear that. How else can I make you feel more respected? If you pat me on the back. I would feel so respected and say, good job, well done. Excellent. I'd love to do that. And what else can I do to make you feel more respected? Please don't criticize me. Mm. Every time you criticize me, I feel shut down. Mm. Yes, I hear that. What else can I do to make you feel more respected? 
please don't close down on me. Mm, closing down, shutting down. And is there anything else I can do to make you feel more respected? If you could be a little bit more playful, I would like that. And, you know, there's one beautiful thing. Every time you sing, my heart is good. I love that. I love that. I can definitely do that more. I didn't know if it annoyed you or you enjoyed it. No, I love it. And keep going. I love it. And it's like you just keep going. And the more you keep going, the more layers you peel back. You see, the, the beautiful thing, and once you start doing the first bits, all the other bits disappear because they get filled. Because, you, you know, if we're hitting the 80-20 rule, the 20% of the work will produce 80% of the results. And then the other stuff doesn't matter because you're filled here. And you said for men, they want respect. So it wouldn't be like, you know, how can I make you feel more loved? That's different than feeling respected. Yeah. So men value respect over love. Women value love over respect. So you can ask two questions. What can I do to make you feel more respected? Then what can I do to make you feel more loved? But for a man, respect is everything. Everything. If a man doesn't feel respected, it's horrible. If a woman doesn't feel loved, it's horrible. Yeah, I remember, you know, way back when my old hairdresser back in Brunswick, Georgia, Mary Strickletter, she said men need three things. They need a good job. They need to be put on a pedestal. They need respect and they need sex. That's probably worth two points. You know, in my seminars, I asked what do men want? And people say sex. I said, no, what is it they really want? More sex. Yeah. But for a man, sex is a form of respect because if he feels respected, he's going to get sex. If he doesn't feel respected, he's not going to get sex. So, you know, think of it that way. It's not the physical act. It's just that feeling of being respected. And keeping that communication open, like that understanding, it can change over time. Like with Gary Chapman's five love languages. You know, we talk about, I know there's many more, but like narrowing it down to five love languages and being able to speak the other person's language. Yeah, and then also compliment. As human beings, we do everything for one reason, for the feeling it gives us. So, for example, the other day, my, my wife did something to me. I said, honey, when you did that for me, I felt so loved. Thank you. So communication can be constant and never-ending. And you, if you catch someone doing the right thing, or they, they make you feel good, you know, like the singing, you think, oh, I didn't know that that was important to you. But once you let them know, then guess what? Every time they do it, they're enhancing themselves. But it's, it's a really great feedback. I love, I really love this exercise. What can I do to make you feel more love? What can I do to make you feel more respected? If you want to set the tone for that in a relationship, how do you set the tone for that? Honey, I, I have great exercise. If, if you're open to it, let's, let's do it. I, I think it'll change our relationship. And just, you know, and it can be playful. It doesn't have to be serious. And you don't have to do it every day. I mean, it's once every month or once every three months, because once you start filling those things in, everything changes and the energy changes, the vibrational energy changes, the communication changes, the intimacy changes, the health changes. It's all connected. One thing you do as the love mentor, you help families. And I recently had a client who was estranged from her family. I wonder, like, I hate to see relation for whatever reason, I hate to see relationships get that. And right now, many of my clients are in the sandwich generation. Now, my parents have passed, but they find themselves to be caregivers to their parents and still raising children or, you know, launching them on their life and careers. And it's a it creates a different dynamic in the home, too. 
It does. You know, I, I'm doing more and more family mentorship because the, the kids are unfortunately growing up entitled and enabled and they're just not connected with the parents and the parents are not connected with the kids and it's causing a big rift. It, it's going to go from generations onwards unless it's fixed and, you know, communication is down, understanding is down, the tone that everyone uses with each other changes and the love is affected. Everything is connected. And, you know, in society today, you sort of expect to get divorced, but you never, ever expect to get a divorce from your children. And unfortunately, that, that's what's happening, not just when parents split up, but even in, you know, family unit, there's a disconnect with the kids, which is very painful. That would be very painful. And so like in reconnecting or preventing, I'm like, I have a, yeah, I have a good relationship. Thank you, Jesus. I have great relationships with my girls. I even asked my 15 year old checking in with her the other day, you know, she's 15. And so I don't know if that's a, that says a lot to me. So she's 15 and I'm just like, Hey, are we okay? And she's like, yeah, mom. I'm like, is there anything I can do to support you? Or is there, what areas are you needing? Is that Great. Thank you. And that was the end of our very quick check-in. But how can I do that better, Emil? So I'll be Anna, you be the daughter. Oh, oh, kind of get snarky. Because I find it so powerful. But what's the daughter's name? Ava. Ava, can I ask you a question? Yes. What could I do to be a better mother to you? I think you're pretty perfect, mom. I know. I'm pretty and I'm perfect. But there was one thing I could do to to make your life so much more better. What could I do? Uh, you could buy me a car. Absolutely. I will buy you a car. I'm not buying. No. Switching roles again. Nope. Not buying you a car. You get to use the truck. Oh, I would love that. Thank you. Okay. So I want to tell you, I made you a promise, didn't I? Yes. I said I would buy you a car, didn't I? Yes. And you know that I will never break my promise, correct? True. I will buy you a car. Before you turn the age of 40. Wait, I'm turning 16 next month. I want it now. Ah, that's not what I agreed to. Oh, it's pretty tricky. Honey, you know I love you. Yes. I promise to buy you a car when you're ready. But at the age of 16, you're too precious to me. And what I'd like to do is just to see how you handle driving. And once you feel comfortable, and I feel comfortable, we'll go down and find something really nice for you. How does that sound? That sounds wonderful. Thank you. And I appreciate you not pushing me on this because it's important to me that you're totally safe. You're the most precious gift that God has ever given to me, apart from my other three kids. No, there you go. <laughs> you're my favorite younger daughter. Yeah, see, just playing that out and not and digging deeper into the conversation. Yeah. You know, when people pick up their kids, they ask the kids, what question? It's the same answer. What question do they ask the kids when they get in the car? Is your seatbelt on? No. no. As they come in the car, what's the first question every parent asks their child? How was your day? How was your, oh, coming back from school. Yeah. How was your, I'm thinking about my trip this yeah. morning. Instead say, hey, what was great about today? What was fun, exciting about today? If you say, how was your day? They say, okay. What happened to school today? Nothing. Standard answer. But you have to show up with a different energy. And these are tools that you can get access to. And once you have the tools, 
there's a beautiful dynamic with the kids, with the family, with your friends, with your patients, because you can use the same techniques, methodologies with your patients. You know, you can ask a patient, what could we do to make this practice even more amazing? You know, I was at a doctor's place yesterday and they had a sign. It says, do not move the chairs. Now, how would you feel as a patient if you read that? Yeah, it's a little standoffish. I'm like a three-year-old kid. What if I do move a chair? You know, and they had it in two places. At least say, please, would you might not move in the chairs? Yeah. The way we show up, little things. Yeah, and it was on a horrible piece of paper. It's a big practice. It doesn't need to be that way. The little things make the big, you know, signs on doors. I'm coaching a dental practice, and they don't have a script. So the dental surgeon listened to one of the receptionists speaking on the phone, and they just weren't welcoming. Yeah. Languaging is everything, the tone the vibrational energy, it affects every part of you. No, I agree. So showing up with that higher vibration, the highest vibration is love and compassion, right? Yeah, it really is. I love it. And Neil, you've given us so much. First, become a billionaire overnight by changing the currency from the US dollar to the currency of love. I love that. And it's a no until it's a yes. And then relationship questions. How can I make you feel more loved? How can I make you feel more respected? And just showing, you know, digging deep and being present for your child and asking different questions, open-ended questions, more like I always say, what did you eat for lunch? Who did you eat lunch with? Right. Things like that. Yeah. And, you know, the quality of your life is dependent on the quality of the questions you ask yourself and to others. It's huge. Totally. Mm-hmm languaging, using the words, you know, you corrected yourself, you said, oh, I have good kids. And you said, no, I have great kids. So it's a big difference between having good, great, outstanding. So the language that we use will determine how we feel. Yeah, thank you. Well, how can people work with you? How can we coach with you? Well, you know, I only work with a handful of people. But the best way is to reach me on my email, which is anil, A-N-I-L, at meet, N-E-T, anil.com. I'm happy to help people who are struggling in their relationships because they don't have to. It doesn't have to be this way. And I can fast track you. I've got a proven track record of creating massive results in a short period of time. And if you're struggling with your kids or you're struggling in your relationship, I'd be happy to help you. Please reach out. And I appreciate you being so generous with your time, Anna. You know, thank you for the gifts you gave it the Dr. Fab event, and my wife is uh, so happy to receive them. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to hear it. Thank you for being with us on the show today, Anil. We will definitely have to have you back on the show in the future for updates. Absolutely. Do you have any guests that come on the show? We could work with some clients on a one-to-one, you know, you could do one part, I could do the other. It'd be a great team effort. Ooh, I would love that. That sounds like a good idea. All right. So if we have any volunteers from our listening body, please email us and definitely email Anil at meetanil.com. Email us at team at dranna.com. Thank you guys. Thank you, Anil, for being here today. Thank you, everybody. I have to admit, I get someone embarrassed talking about my relationships, relationship status, past relationships. I remember a author, Rhonda a Southern author. And she said, you know, someone asked her about her ex-husband and she says, you know, in the South, we don't talk about our exes because we don't want people to know how stupid we were. And that resonated with me. (laughs) 
So it is, you know, it went true or not. It was a very funny comment. And it also staves off other questions about past relationships. Like we're living in the present, not the past, not the future, but what can we learn from our past relationships? What can we learn of the things that we did right and things we did wrong? And I love when I'm working with clients and they, you know, have that communication piece is honestly so huge. How we communicate in the small and in the big to the, you know, people that work for us or, you know, pass by in the gym or wherever it may be, how we communicate in the small eye language, body language, and to how we communicate in the big and the relationships. And no matter how stale, like in the case of my client, her relationship had gotten stale, just the opening up, look, this is really important to me. I want to talk to you about this. Those questions will resonate. And I think, you know, it's always worth a try. Wherever that takes you, at least to peace of mind and that you have used your voice. Energy of not speaking up for yourself holds in the thyroid. So if you have thyroid issues, and that's been an issue of holding back and not speaking your truth, that is more important than ever to start doing that to practice that. I like Anil, I probably will be working with him and coaching with him. And I'll definitely check back with you guys and let you know where that gets me. But I'm excited about it. He has an amazing track record and just loved the role play. Love the role play. A little uncomfortable, have to admit. But at the end, I'm like, glad we did it. Really see what opens up because initially there's protective boundaries that we hold on to ourselves. And when we really get to the heart of, you know, heart to heart conversation, that's what we know from quantum physics, quantum energy, that we're connected. And this person came into our life for a reason. And so really experiencing that person, experiencing your fullness with that person, I think that, you know, it's just good medicine. It's just good medicine. So I hope this helped you today. And I'm wishing you lots of love. And please let me know what resonated with you. It helps me so much when you write a review, whether it's iTunes, Podcast Addict, or Spotify, wherever you listen, please write a review. I read and let me know what you thought. I appreciate those five-star reviews. I read every one of them. And I thank you for listening. God bless you. Till next time. I love being your girlfriend, doctor. 